Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful. Kate also does uh, professional announcing. If you have any uh, events you need uh, hosted, emceed, she's just available at a nice fee. Just thought I'd let that know. Brilliant. But really good to see you all tonight. Just one quick announcement. We, um, from my side, or just some feedback. We finished um, uh, six weeks of Alpha just a couple weeks ago, and we just saw an incredible uh, bunch of people come. Alpha is a course that we run in the life of the church. It's a worldwide course. And uh, we invite friends and family who are, who are exploring the, the, the claims of Christ, exploring this thing called Christianity. And we do it in a, in a way where we watch a video, we have a meal together, and we form relationships and answer questions and, and grapple with all those things. And we just saw great fruit as God brought people from far and wide, people who, are very, who probably would never walk through the door of a church on a Sunday, but they came because they were invited by some of you, and you brought your friends and your family to that Alpha. And we want to say thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for inviting your family. Uh, we, we're really trusting for great fruit. But I just want to say, those who are involved in Alpha and serving, facilitating, hosting, can you just give us a quick wave? Put your hand up very quickly. Yeah, and if you came as well, put your hand up. Leave it up, leave it up for everyone, everyone to see. Can we give these people a round of applause? They were amazing. Very, very cool. I just want to say, the Alpha, when we run it again, I would love to encourage you to, if you... If you can, come and serve, come and help, come and get involved. You've got so much to offer, and you'll, you'll, you'll love the opportunity to reach out and be a part of God's mission. So I want to say the next time Alpha comes, be the first one putting your name down. You won't be sorry. It's going to be a really, really great thing. So that's really cool. From my side, uh, just in case you don't know who I am, I'm Gabriel Phillips, one of the pastors here at Life Changes, and my wife and I have the privilege of heading up a team that have pioneered our, our Life Changes Milneton site on Milton campus, and just to let you know, the last few weeks have been really cool. Just a couple of cool stories I feel have uh, got me excited. There's a couple named Brad and Jen Quality. Anyone know them? Are they here? Where are they? Show, show us that wedding ring. Yeah, there we go. Leave it up. Good. They got married two weeks ago, and um, they, they're part of our, our family, Life Changes family, but I just want to boast about them just because it gets me very excited of um, the fact that just over a year and a bit ago, they joined the church, and God has done incredible work in both of their lives, and uh, um, finding faith, finding a renewed calling in Christ, and, and passion for God, and, and what God is doing, and we just want to say we're so proud of you guys. We want to boast about you everywhere we go, but we, this is the reason why we wanted to do it. These two have now got married in the last little while. They, they've, they've came, and life changed. God has done stuff in their hearts, and they've said, actually, we want to do this thing together, and they've joined. They've, they were two, now they are one. No? No, that's incredible. It's like those old Nintendo video games, two in one, you know? Very, very cool. But just uh, God is doing amazing things with them. But then also in, in other people in the life of, of Life Changes Milton, there's a young guy, I don't know, he's probably not here tonight. He was at church this morning, and I want to boast about him. Steve Labram was a, a guy who grew up in the youth ministry of the church here. Then he got 18, and he went to Stellenbosch to study. And uh, after four years of study, he's come back to join the Life Changes story. And uh, one of the, the first things we said was actually with our band there and with, with this, no, we don't have amazing facilities like this. We've got an amazing school hall, but we have to do a lot of slog and get things going there. But he saw that we didn't have a bass guitar. And, uh, and he said, actually, I want to, and he just got his first job in January. He said, actually, with one of his first paychecks, he said, I want to buy Life Changes Milton a bass guitar. And he said, tell me how much it is and I'll buy it. 
And I said, that's amazing. Why do you want to do that? And he said, well, because life changes worship has sown so much into my life when I was growing up. I grew a heart of worship here at Life Changes. I want to invest and sow back into that story. And I think it's amazing when young people, young men and women, get a heart of the gospel that's bigger than themselves. I don't know about you, but one of my first salaries I blew on chocolate mousse from Woolworths, you know? <laughs> but I'm saying it's just amazing when the kingdom of God comes, and chocolate mousse is not bad. Don't worry, it's a good thing. Don't feel condemned. But I love it when young people and old people and, and any people find the kingdom of God and they say, actually, we're going to get married and for the glory of God. And they preach the gospel at their wedding. Uh, I love it when young people see that and say, I want to invest into something that's so into me, something that's so kingdom oriented. He's not a musician, but he said, I want to invest in other people who come and get received from the worship here. That's amazing. And I just want to say, I think we belong to one of, if I'm biased, so Durbanville, Common Ground people, just close your ears here. We have the best church in the city. I'm pretty convinced. I really am. I just look out and I see faces here and I could go on and on all night of stories of what God's doing. And I, I'm just so grateful. So God is good. Do you believe it? Wonderful, wonderful. That's why we've got two bass guitars now, you know? It's amazing. Anyone, do I have a third? A third? Come on. No. Brilliant. We are in our second to last week of the Jonah series, Man on the Run. Have you enjoyed Man on the Run, Jonah, the book of Jonah? I've really enjoyed digging into it. Just to bring you up to speed of the first few chapters, if you've been away or under a rock for the last few weeks. Chapter 1 begins with God calling Jonah. God calls Jonah out of his comfort, out of his sense of what is normal and expected and his everyday run-of-the-mill life, and he calls him into a radical, biggest future and story bigger than he could ever have manufactured on his own. God calls and says, Jonah, I have a bigger story for you. Go to Nineveh. But we, we found out that Jonah is just like us, and he said, no. God said, go. He said, no, and went the total opposite direction, and he ran away from God. But what we found out in the series, what we are digging deep into, we're realizing that God's grace and his goodness runs further than all our rebellion, all of our disobedience, and all of our bad decisions. Is that not great news? I'm loving finding that out again and afresh and afresh for myself that though I run far, His grace runs further still. That's the good news that we get to preach and live. Chapter 2, though, the story crescendos in a, in a dramatic account. If you haven't read it, go home and read it and get the details. But chapter 2 finds Jonah in, this, in the state of being as he gets thrown off a boat into an ocean and he gets swallowed whole by a great fish. And what happens there in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, Jonah repents. And he says, God, I'm sorry for saying no. I'm sorry for running the other direction. You alone hold salvation. I'm yours. And he has this moment of repentance. And before what happens, the, the whale in a very uh, neat and tidy fashion vomits him back onto the beach. A little bit of a burp. With a, from, from the boat to the belly to the beach with a burp. How's that, eh? It was repentance, revival, and regurgitation all in one thing. I can go all night. What else? You want another one? Just joking. But it was amazing. This story, any story that is vomiting and that gets me going, I'm like, I can identify with this story. And the whale does it. Not me this time. But uh, he gets vomited back on the beach. And we find out in chapter 3 starts with a great, incredible reminder that God calls Jonah a second time. And I love that. that God is, we're learning that God is not just a God of second chances, but he's a God of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, Hundredth chance is a God who keeps going and he goes beyond and beyond and he calls us again. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're here for the first time or if you've been sitting for a while and you think, I'm too far gone for God. No, you're not. I'm telling you, you're not. You haven't been vomited up by a whale yet. So you're not too far gone by God. 
promise you, God is good. And the fact that God doesn't just forgive us, but he restores us to a bigger future yet again. That's what we're learning in the story. So we're picking up in chapter 3 today, and we're going to read some scripture together. Is that right? So we're going to read chapter 2 again, just to remind us the context into chapter 3, and then we'll preach. Let's read. It's on the screen behind us. This is from the New Living Translation. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you this evening as we come humbly before your word. Would you speak to us? We thank you, God, that you are the great surgeon and your word is to, in, in Hebrews is described as a scalpel that goes deep into our heart and does surgery inside of us. Tonight we open ourselves and say, Father, would you do a deep work in me? I thank you, Father God, we say it again and again, but we are tired of just being stirred. We want to be changed. Would you do that with us? Incredible, incredible God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were here two weeks ago, just a week before Easter, we had Wayne, the main man, Bartus, preaching about the great comeback. And uh, I heard stories that he mentioned, Manchester United, we've deleted that off the internet, just to let you know, it's gone. No, I'm joking. Even God can forgive Manchester United fans. You're not too far, God. Only got a couple Manchester United fans here. That's good. It's good. We're doing well. Told you, greatest church in the world. But actually, what Wayne was doing that night, he spoke about the comeback and, and how God uh, is, deals in comebacks. God is a God of the comeback, and so much so that Easter was the greatest comeback. Jesus went himself, went to the grave, but came back, resurrected power, and, and came back with a train of captives behind us. You and I, the Bible tells us, were raised with Christ. We are products of comebacks. That we are, we are sons and daughters of the, of the greatest comebacks. And I want to say that God is all about giving us second chances and calling us back from the dead, calling us back when we feel that we've got nothing else to give. God says, I want to restore you yet again to a bigger story. Tonight, though, I want to take it one step further, and I want to preach about how to sustain your comeback. Not how to start your comeback, but how to sustain your comeback. Now, you see... I want to try and, for us to try and see if we can break the cycle because I know myself in my own heart that I am the sort of guy that if I was Jonah, I would go from the belly to the beach and then back to the belly and then back to the beach, have a big moment with God and then back to the belly. 
Does anyone have a sort of life like that? I know a lot of Christians, I've seen it and I know it from my own life, that my life is like this, up with God and then down again. And then I wait for another big moment and I'm doing well, another comeback and then I'm down. And it's this up and down reality where I'm in and then I'm out. I'm hot, then I'm cold, I'm feeling like a Katy Perry song. I don't really know, am I in or am I out? Where am I? I won't sing it tonight. Not in the house of the Lord. But I want to say tonight, I want to preach and give us just three practical handles, if that's all right, of how to break the cycle of belly beach, belly beach, belly beach Christianity. That God is going to take us, because he, he tells us in his word that he leads us from one level of glory to another. He says he leads us in a, tri- a triumphal procession. The, the, the good news is God says you don't have to live a roller coaster life, up and down, up and down, swayed by circumstances and, 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 and being pulled back into your circumstances after moments of Go forward and back. Go for it. It's not snakes and ladders. It's not two foot steps forward and one step back. God has called us and ordained that we are able to outwalk our comebacks into more and more freedom. Anyone want that? Come on. I'm glad you said amen. So three points for you this, this, this evening from the text. Number one will be on the screen behind me. To sustain your comeback, it's not just what you're walking away from, but what you're walking towards. To sustain your comeback, it's not just what you're walking away from, but what you're walking towards. Something my mom taught me years ago, written on, on my wall at home in Durban, she said this, and it's so profound, you might want to write this down. Whatever you starve dies. Whatever you feed grows. Sue Phillips. Let's quote my mother, you know. I learned that principle by having a goldfish. Whatever you starve dies, whatever you feed grows. We went through many goldfish just because of that principle. But I want to tell you this incredible understanding that, that in the scriptures, yes, we are compelled by the scriptures to, it tells us to put to death our old way of life. Yes, the scriptures does tell us that. And the scriptures also tell us to say no to ungodliness. I also believe that the old adage of be killing sin or sin will be killing you is true. It remains and it's, it's, it's correct. But what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world? And I'm including that, uh, that, that, that Chris type of Christianity that parades around to some moralistic, therapeutic gospel. I want to tell you that what sets our faith in Jesus Christ apart from every other religion is that it's more about what or who you're saying yes to more than the no's you're saying. Let me explain it this way. God has called us to overcome sin not just by saying no, but by replacing it with a greater pleasure. That's the promise of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not just deny, deny, deny. It's receive, receive, receive. And the C.S. Lewis says it in a much better way than I could. So the quote will come up here. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Let me tell you this evening, as Mark fixes the amplifier, that one. Ah, glory. Well done, Mark. eh? Those are some good amplifiers turning off. I want to tell you that to sustain our comeback is not in the new, it's in the who. Yeah. 
Let me tell you that again. It's not in the new, it's in the who. Because if it was, it would otherwise just be today saying, yeah, I need to make another decision for Christ. It'll just be a glorified New Year's resolution in April. And we know how those ones go. The gyms are empty now. They were full in January. They're empty. Your efforts lose steam after a while if they're not motivated by something bigger. I want to tell you, Paul writes it this way in the book of Philippians. He says, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He goes on and says, I count everything as garbage. Why? So that I may gain Christ. The emphasis is on the second half of it. I consider everything garbage, not just saying no, but so that I may have hands free to gain something else. Let me tell you, he goes on and says, I forget the past, where most religions stop. Forget the past, move on. But our, our, our God says this, forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. God has called us not only to say no, but also to say yes, because I really believe that what you say yes to has the power to define you. Let me say it again, what you say yes to has the power to define you. So here's my question under this, is are you actively pursuing Christ? Are you actively pursuing Christ? Let me explain what that means, because, uh, and I, I found it helpful to bring it down to this sort of picture, is that what set my affections and my feelings apart from, from what I had for all other girls. I liked a lot of girls before Fiona. Is this a confession? I liked a lot of them, but I didn't act on those feelings. I didn't push through with those feelings. Why? Mainly because they didn't like me. But anyway, I digress. But mainly, the difference was that what set me apart from what I liked about them and when Fiona was the fact that I made a decision to actively pursue her. Let me explain some more. I decided that with Fiona... It w- I wasn't just going to do this convenient flirting things. Whenever it was my time, I was going to say, yeah, let's have a coffee in two months' time. And then leave her hanging for two months. Reply, you know, th- wait the three days. You know, reply, do the, all the games and stuff. I was like, you know what? No, no, no. I've seen the treasure. I've seen the pearl of great price. And, and for me, I said, I'm going to actually actively pursue her. I'm not just going to wait and allow it for another guy to come and get in there. I'm going to actually pursue her. And now what happened was this. She stays, she became and she stays the one for me, not because I say, Fiona, I said no to all the other girls. Imagine how unromantic that is. Imagine. You, you know, you know, yeah, none true. But imagine, imagine saying to your, to your spouse, hey, you know, I really love you, but it's just mainly because I said no to everyone else. Hope you know that. What is that? But that's how we live Christianity. I'm saying no to everything else, I suppose. Let's go along with this. No, no, what makes, what, what makes her the one and what keeps her the one is the fact that I continue actively pursuing her. Continually. Because if I stop actively pursuing her, if I stop now, I'm going, okay, I've got her married. If I stop pursuing her, then what I have to resort to and what a lot of marriages resort to is for myself to keep myself pure, I have to just say no now. If I stop saying yes, then I have to rely on my power to say no. But actually, when I start saying yes and yes and yes, the no's become very easy. When I'm pursuing the one I love and I'm, and I'm in, the no's are easy. I'm not even distracted by those things. But if I'm not pursuing, I'm having to say no. And I can tell you, no's get very tiring to say after a while and we get weaker and weaker and the no gets harder to say. So taking it from that analogy, I want to tell you, are you actively pursuing Christ? Are you actively engaged with pursuing Him? It's not just what you're walking away from, but it's what you're walking towards. To sustain your comeback, we have to be saying yes to Him. 
Number two is take every thought captive or you will be taken captive by every thought. The Bible says, take every thought captive or you will be taken captive by every thought. Our man Jonah, our boy Jonah, Joe for short, he obeys God. In chapter 3, he obeys God, sees breakthrough. If you read ahead, spoiler alert, the Ninevites, the hated people, repent and they return to God and God pours out his mercy. Revival breaks out. This is a preacher. He preaches one line and revival happens. A whole nation turns. I'm like, that's not fair. That's some good preaching there, you know? I don't know if he had Benny Hinn's jacket or I don't know, but he preaches and a whole nation turns. Jonah shows that's, 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 that's Super Bowl Sunday for a preacher. I'm there. If you're that, you're celebrating with him. But Jonah allows the fact his comeback that came for temporarily, he slipped back not into the belly of a whale, but into the belly of his thought life, into his own insecurities and those inadequacies. His comeback was temporary, and he went chapter four, if you read ahead, he went alone, isolated himself, and was sulking on a hilltop. It's not fair. What should have been his greatest day, celebrating with God and the people who have responded to God, he's isolated himself and he's far off and he's captive to his own thoughts and his own inner struggle. Let me tell you, the Bible says this, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's what the Bible calls us to do. I want to tell you, far too often I disqualify my forward momentum in God because I let my thoughts and my feelings lead me. I don't think I'm the only one. I far too often disqualify my own self. I take two steps forward, but then I start slipping back into the belly, into my own thoughts, my own old ways, and, and, and shortcut my, my comeback in God because I allow my thoughts and my feelings yeah. to take over. Somebody once said this, and we love this phrase here, that actually following Jesus is not hard. But it is hard work. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's simple. But it is hard work. It requires effort on our part. Dallas Willard, a quote will come up behind, says this. He says, the grace of God is opposed to earning, but not effort. The grace of God is opposed to earning. You can't earn God's favor. It's done because of Jesus. But the grace of God still says it teaches us to say no. The grace of God empowers us to walk this life out. And we've been given authority over our feelings and authority over our thinking and our thought life. Let me tell you, sustaining our comebacks is not about trying harder, but rather about training ourselves in godliness. Religion says, try harder. Jesus says, I want to train you to become more and more like me. That's the difference. It's not in yourselves, it's not in our own strength, it's in Him. But I want to tell you, our thought life and our feelings are never in neutral. Did you know that? There's no neutral zone for your feelings in your thought life. Unless you're watching sports at my house sometimes. My wife says I do something, blank out. And I disappear to a different place. She's like, Gab, Gab, hmm? What did you say? She's like waving flags. Can you see me? <laughs> but I want to tell you, besides watching sport moments, our thought life and our feelings are never in neutral. We, we are people who are, the, the English language talks about it. It says that our, our minds race. Our imaginations run wild with ourselves. Our, we get taken up by our thought life. We get swayed by them all the time. And I really believe this, that either your faith will affect your feelings or your feelings will affect your faith. No neutral zone. There's no third option. So either here today, you have to do a self-audit. Is my faith determining how I feel each day or are my feelings determining my faith each day? Which is leading in your life? 
the moments of honesty and if we want to own our comebacks and sustain our comebacks, we've got to answer these things and do work together. I'll tell you, I've heard teenagers say this and uh, I grew up as a teenager, believe it or not. It's true, I once was a teenager. Amazing. Good preaching. And I used to say these things and if you know boys, they used to say these lines. They come home and they go, Mom, I'm so hungry, I could die. Now, if you've never had teenage kids, let me tell you, they're not going to die. It's exaggeration. Okay, just to let you know, just in case, sorry. I'm so hungry, I could die. But you know, we all laugh at that. But let me tell you, I know that I've conned myself for so long that I would, I've said stuff like this and people say, it, I'm so lustful, I just need a release. Yeah. Or I've heard other people say, I'm feeling so down, I just need some retail therapy. And we start spending money we don't have. We start, lust takes from us and it promises as much and delivers little. And we start being led by, this is, I feel this way, so I've just got to do it. Let me tell you, we are not prisoners to our feelings. Amen. Let me unlock that cage tonight and tell you, you as a son and daughter of God are not a prisoner to your feelings. The word of God is the greatest weapon in this. Let me tell you, if you want to know how to combat your thought life and get your feelings in order, the word of God is what you need to be pouring into. It, it, the Bible tells us, it says, renew your mind. The Bible tells and gives authority, it says, set your mind, fix your thoughts on things above. The Bible gives us authority. God has given you and I authority over our thought life. So I want to tell you, if you're praying prayers, God, would you, would you purify my thought life? Can I tell you? He says this, I've given you authority. Start, whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. What are you starving? What are you feeding? Just going to speak honest truth here in church. Truth bombs. Hashtag. John Mayer said this, and I love this quote. John Mayer, who's a modern day prophet. No, he's not. He's just a musician. He's waiting on the world to change. But um, John Mayer, this man, he sat and, and, he, was, and he, he was very insecure, so he spent so much money to protect himself. He put gate after gate and fence after fence, had security cameras and systems all around his house, so much so that he got to a place where um, he said uh, the problem, though, was with his, all the security. He lent in and, on, and when he logged into Facebook each morning, he realized that he had spent all this money on security, but then in the morning as he logged into social media, the attacks began there and people defaming him, telling him what an idiot he was. People from all around the world started ripping him apart. And he said, he said this quote, he said, you f I forfeited all the money I spent on protection because of the brokenness I let in my heart. We've all got medical aid. We've all got health insurance. We've all got the protective things in our, in, on our car, on our life, on this. We put sun cream on to protect us from the sun, but then we, don't, we just let stuff in. We let things in and we wonder, why am I feeling so down? Why, why are my feelings taking me down this way? Why am I up and down all the time saying, what are you feeling yourself? Take your thoughts captive or they will take you captive. Third and final point this evening is this. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. The stats say that over time, you become the average of your five closest friends. Just think about them quickly. Imagine doing a mashup. Quite a scary thought, eh? I want to tell you, friends love you at your worst, and they can help you be your best. But I think many of us don't realize the importance of whom we choose to surround ourselves with and the impact they have on our lives. 
Let me tell you, back to our man Jonah, revival breaking out in Nineveh, and Jonah hides off to where? To be alone. Away from the victory, away from that moment. Jonah was this lone ranger, and he did not know how to express his relationship with God in a healthy community. Jonah was this incredible prophet of God, used by God, but he forfeited himself, his comeback. He forfeited walking in from victory to victory because he did not know how to express that in community. I want to tell you, too many of our breakthrough comeback moments with God are hijacked by us, allowing our friends' voices and negativity to pull us back into the belly. I want to tell you, I really believe that some of us in this series, some of us tonight, need to make decisions to make cuts with some of the voices and relationships that we are letting have authority over our lives. Some of the voices and relationships that we are letting have authority over how we are feeling. I think some of us need to make radical decisions and make cuts. But as I said at the beginning, it's more importantly, some of us need to make decisions to step into healthy community. It's not just what you say no to, it's what you say yes to. I want to tell you, sustained comebacks cannot be done alone. Sir, ma'am, maybe you've slipped in here and and you're on your own journey. That's wonderful. But I want to tell you that this thing called Christianity was never designed to be done alone. Godly, robust, faithful community is hard work, but there is no other way to be a Christ follower. Jesus doesn't give us an option of isolation. Will you like the isolation package or the community package? Which one, sir? Chicken or the beef? No, no, no. Jesus says, it's community or community or community or community. Man was not meant to be alone. Tell you, we believe in this church and life change, we believe that big things happen in small groups. So much so that we know in our nature, we, 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 are one, we are isolated people. We are individual people. It's me, myself, he's, and I. That's who we are. We are self-obsessed. We're self-absorbed. We, so much so that we're just taking selfies of ourselves the whole time. But I want to tell you, so we, we know, we are so convinced that our nature is opposed to us so that what we do is we put this in our weekly rhythm. We say every Wednesday, we do a thing called life groups. And we put it in as a non-negotiable for us as Christ followers, not because we don't have anything better to do on a Wednesday, but we know that sustained comebacks can only happen when we do it together. And we know that when left to our own devices, we don't do community. We do series. We do selfies. I know that myself. So I have to put in my rhythm. So if I can commend you on one thing, get into community. You will thrive. I tell you this, Jesus said this. He said, follow me. Amazing, how amazing that. Jesus said, come, follow me. And do you know what the next thing he did was? He went to the next guy and said, you also follow me with him. <laughs> and he went to the next guy, you follow me with him. And Jesus soon amassed a, a group of disciples, 12 disciples from different walks of life who probably hated each other, but were so in love with Jesus. And they said, Jesus, can't I just have Mondays with you and he have Tuesdays? Jesus said, sorry, buddy. We follow together. Come. And he's like, no, no, but that guy, you don't know that guy. That guy, Judas. He never gives me back my change. You know, I, oh my word, that guy Peter, he's so vulgar. Always vulgar jokes, Jesus. That fisherman, ugh, got that smell as well. Oof. And they're like, sorry, buddy, you follow me in community. This is what Jesus called. There's no other option. I want to say if you, are, you consider yourself a Christ follower, a disciple, you've got to be in community. And I know it's easy to say I'm in community because I come and gather, but I'm telling you, community is honest when you allow yourself to be known. 
truly known and allow other people to make themselves known to you. I can't commend this enough to you. But I want to tell you this, sustained comebacks are not individual sports. God has said this, he said this, our father. And from that moment, he didn't say my father, he didn't say your father, he said our father. He said, come, let's walk this thing together. So I want to tell you, to sustain a comeback, it's not just what you're walking away from, but what you're walking towards. To sustain a comeback is you've got to take every thought captive or you'll be taken captive by every thought. And thirdly, to sustain a comeback, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Today, I believe God wants us to make some decisions in our heart. Can we pray? I believe this even tonight, as God has been raising faith in our hearts. I think God is, in, in my own journey, if I can be honest, I felt a fresh hunger and zeal for the things of God in the last few weeks. A fresh hunger to actively pursue Him, not just meander and follow at a distance, but to actively pursue Jesus and the things He's called us to. I really believe tonight God has put his finger on our hearts and he's saying, it's time, if you've, been, if you've been walking this up and down walk with Jesus, up and down, hot and cold, in and out, not sure, uh, controlled by your feelings and, and never really making, feeling like you're making progress in God, I believe God wants you to come and put a stake in your heart to say, this far and no further, we're not going back to the belly anymore. It's time to leave the beach and move onwards. With every eye closed and head bowed, there was a story I heard recently about uh, the war that happened at Omaha Beach. And as the soldiers came uh, and they were dropped into, the, dropped into the waves onto the shore to go and fight this great battle, that most of the soldiers, as they fell into the ocean, died without ever seeing the first gunshot of the battle. Why? Because they drowned in the, in the, shore, in the ocean shore because their backpacks were too heavy. I think a lot of us aren't even seeing the front lines because we're still holding on to things of old. We're still holding on to our old life and we're not able to actively pursue because we're not letting go. We're not able to take hold of our thoughts because our hands are still filled with other things. Some of us need to let go of relationships and friendships and other voices that we've allowed to have control for too long. Tonight is the night of decision. Father, I pray right now, Spirit of God, would you go and minister to every heart here? As your word has come and stirred in our hearts, I pray, would you come now and bring life, bring courage, bring conviction. I thank you, God, you're calling us to be a people who walk with you from glory to glory in sustained comebacks. If that's you tonight, I'd love you just to, to raise your hand to God, lift your hands to him to receive his strength, to receive his courage. Father, I pray right now as these hands just lift up and in surrender and say, God, I need you. And as, as a self-identifying moment saying, I'm making decisions. I'm making decisions tonight. I pray right now, Spirit of God, would you bring courage? Spirit of God, would you lead them to your word? Spirit of God, would you lead these people to community? Would you lead them to radical obedience in you, Jesus? I pray all these things of your people. In Jesus' name.